Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of the Connected Generation. I am your host, and my name is Nike Amani. I'm so pleased that you're here. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode, we're talking about rejection. So, a few years ago, a very close friend of mine, who I would have termed as my best friend, she caught me out of her life without explanation. And initially, I was trying to get hold of her, sending her messages, calling her. And it was literally just meeting a brick wall. And I then eventually gave up and decided not to force myself on her. But that sting of rejection, my, 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 it was so sore. And it took me a very long time to heal from that pain. My initial instinct was self-preservation. I don't want to meet another friend. I don't want another rejection, right? <laughs> I was just like, no new friends. I'm not interested. Um, I'll keep to myself. I just retreated into a shell, quite honestly, and I kept to myself for a long time. That's nice, Nikia, but what on earth does that have to do with next gens, you might be thinking? This isn't a therapy session. <laughs> no, it's not. Indeed, I will, I will make this relevant quite shortly. I do think this is relevant. And because I recognize a similar phenomenon in a lot of us next gens. So maybe when you first joined the family business, you were full of zeal and you had so many ideas on how to modernize how to improve the state of things. You know, you are the hero of the day, suggesting so many ideas to improve the business. And, you know, the interesting thing is that it takes vulnerability to suggest such ideas. But unfortunately, maybe quickly, cold water was just thrown on your face and your parents quickly let you know that this is not how we do things here. We will rather stick to what it is that we know. But the, the thing is, you felt the sting. It felt like you were rejected as a person. And in a non-family business, you probably wouldn't care, right? Because you're not working with family. But here with family, you do care. Emotions are running high and so maybe you find yourself retreating into a shell and you stay silent, nervous about contributing. Again, can you now see how this is related to my story about my friend? <laughs> I often meet next-gens that are disheartened, to say the least, as they may have joined the family business, you know, full of ideas. On, and they desire to make a greater stamp, but they may find themselves incapacitated, proverbially, right? Where they see that their parents, the founders, still holds on to a lot of control. And often it makes them feel rejected, you know? Um, their ideas are rejected, they're not given room to be heard, they're not given space to lead, and it's a rejection of their person is how they feel. And a lot of the time, it's just easier to stay silent. Rejection is tough. Sometimes it takes many years to heal the pain, as it did with me and my friend. I think it took me about four years. 
Other times it takes perspective. And the irony is that no two perspectives are the same. We all have unique perspectives. And so our parents are probably seeing the situation through completely different lenses from a different perspective. So let's think about a three-dimensional pyramid. They are standing on one side of the pyramid and you are standing on the diametrically opposed side of the pyramid. But the truth of the fact is that you're both standing, you know, you're both looking at a pyramid, but from different perspectives, different sides. And so what you see is your truth right? Quite often, next-gens will interpret the lack of delegated power as a rejection of their person, but that's not true. As I said, founders are used to high levels of control as they view the business as their baby. It's their baby that they've nurtured from inception, and so it's emotionally gut-wrenching for them to pull away. I can empathize because it reminds me of when um, we had our second baby. Oh Lord. Towards the end of our pregnancy, I I was quite poorly around 36 weeks. And obviously around 36 weeks is when you're eagerly anticipating the baby, right? And around this time I'm typically quite paranoid, you know, just I just want to have the baby, I just want to have the baby safely, and so so on and so forth. And so When I was poorly, it really made me quite fearful about the health of the baby. I was worried about taking medication. What would this do to the baby? Anyway, lo and behold, he was born. His name is Ayo. He's now two and a half years old. But at that time, I was like a lioness protecting her vulnerable cub. I was so protective. I always wanted to be the one holding him. I always wanted to be the one feeding him, looking after him. And the funny thing is, I did not even realize when I was doing all this. It wasn't until he was like maybe three months old that my husband joked and said like, you know you don't let anybody carry Arifuloa. And I was like, ah, ah, habba. And then I thought about it and I realized that Yes, he's correct. It's because I was, I had carried over that fear and anxiety of him getting hurt from towards the end of the pregnancy into his new life. But I had to let that go. And I think founders are plagued by a similar phenomenon. They built these businesses up from scratch against all odds and out in these mean African streets. I mean, it's not easy being an entrepreneur for a stop, but then in this environment, it takes guts and it's blood, sweat and tears. Everything is up against the entrepreneur, right? But somehow against all odds, they manage to pay salaries, pay vendors, keep the business going and carry the very heavy emotional burden on their backs. When we think about it, Nigeria is currently ranked 146 out of 190 economies, according to World Bank's Ease of Doing Business Index. This was back back in 2018. And because of this difficult context, right, I believe this is why they're so overprotective of their babies and they find it hard to let go. But there was so much wisdom in the way my husband spoke to me about Ayo. He didn't judge me. 
He wasn't condescending, nor did he demand his rights as a father, right? He gently prodded me in private and spoke to me in a way that I was receptive to what he had to say. Similarly, as next gens, when we're trying to gain more responsibility, demanding it will probably backfire. <laughs> Judging the founder will make him or her feel that you don't honour and treasure his or her baby that he or she has carefully nurtured against all odds, right? So we have to watch how we speak as well as what we say to gain influence. Rejection requires a change of perspective. I mentioned that. I remember when I was having a horrible week and I had a call with my mentor, my business mentor, and she's real. <laughs> she puts me on the spot. She asks me difficult questions and she was asking me about, you know, progress in my business. And I was, mm, eh. And so she was like, how many calls have you made? this week to tell people about what it is you do. And I was like, honestly, I'm not sure why, but I keep avoiding these conversations. And so this lady then proceeds to ask me a whole bunch of questions and essentially to cut a long story short, she traced my aversion to rejection. So that incident with my former friend I mentioned at the start of this episode. And then she said something that was so powerful that has literally changed my life. She said, a no is not a rejection. Eh? I said, it's not. She said, it's not. It just means it's not right for me just now. And I was like, mind shift. As she said it, I literally had an aha moment. And... Though she was talking to me as a business mentor, I caught a revelation for my journey as next gen. When our parents say no, we don't do things like, like that around here. We don't need any more technology. We can't afford it. This is not London. Forget about corporate governance. Cannot work here in Nigeria. You need to micromanage in Africa. All this grammar, grammar you are saying. Hmm. All that they say is not a rejection of you. It was a rejection of an idea at that point in time. So we have two variables here. We have variable one is the idea. And variable two is the timing. So even if the idea is sound and they say, yeah, 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 yeah. They nod. They say, yeah, 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 we can do that. We can do that. But then you see no progress. Maybe it was the wrong timing. And it takes wisdom to recognize windows of opportunity for the right timing to bring up the same idea at a later stage. For instance, perhaps BC, before Corona, you were talking about digitizing, imp implementing more tech in the business, and they were saying, yeah, 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 yeah. But you really didn't see any real commitment any real drive, any real desire to move it forward. Perhaps this is now your window of opportunity to bring it up again. I really believe that as next gens, it's so important to be self-aware as you're working with your nearest and dearest. And so you typically have very high expectations of them and 
when emotions are high, we tend to be sensitive. But we cannot be ruled by our emotions, as emotions are not always truth, right? We cannot protest by refusing to contribute or be so be clouded by our pain that we can't speak up. I know it's hard, it really is hard, but I believe that we all those around us are unique perspective. By being silent, we're doing them a disservice. And it's hard, right? Especially in the cultural context of Africa where there's such a high premium on age. We have this honor culture, as Dennis Jaffe would say. But this same Africa we're talking about, it needs us young ones. And Africa, I believe, is at a crossroads. She needs to decide what she wants as a continent. Does she want to hold on to old tradition that no longer serves her? Or does she want to progress forward? This is for another, this is a whole nother podcast conversation, but why do I say that in the context of our conversation today? Um, Africa is the youngest continent on the planet. 81% of us are under the age of 38. So as young people, our perspective matters because we have a population. That's one. So our perspective matters in the boardroom, in the family meetings, in the government meetings, in community meetings, in industry, in all spheres of life. But we have to learn the beautiful art of emotional intelligence so that when we do speak, we are heard without turning up the volume, without turning to aggression, but gracefully communicating directly or indirectly to make that unique stamp on the family business. So remember, as my mentor said, a no is not a no to you. It's a not right now. A no is not a no to you. It's a not right for me just now. Be patient and do not stick to comfort. God bless you. Take good care.